I think for women, we definitely need to know how beautiful you think we are in our barest state. Otherwise, we might feel, oh, I don't have my makeup on and I don't feel sexy and I'm not ready, so I'm not in the mood. Right, like I don't meet the pre-requirements for me to be worthy or, or whatever, got, or whatever, like, if yeah. If they've been in a relationship where they mainly get complimented when they're all ready, when the makeup's on and they look hot, quote unquote. Right. Um, so I think if the female in the relationship isn't complimented enough in her barest state, that that mood will switch off more often so if we feel beautiful all the time no matter what that's a great way to keep your woman turned on hello everybody my name is brazil and welcome to the podcast today we have a very special segment it's something new that i've been really inspired to do called the back-to-back -back series we're sitting down here with bryn and jared and the subject is about love and relationships and we have a new seating style now, a new format that I'm really excited to try out. And uh, just roll with us, it's, it's an experiment. We've never done this before, so uh, come along for the ride. Uh, Bryn, I'll start with you. What do you believe is going on in Jared's heart right now, in this moment? Hmm. I feel like he, in general, in our relationship. Or even right now, here. Right here? Now. Yeah, here today. Well, first of all, I'm I'm just really proud of him for being down to do stuff like this because I think showing up in this way is together for our for a relationship is new for both of us. And I think it's rare that a man will come on to a podcast with his woman and and not know what questions lie ahead. Like we have no idea what you're going to ask us and he's willing to step into that unknown. So I feel like there's a level of trust. There's a level of confidence of uh, reassurance in our relationship because we are both fiery and we we've learned a lot about each other in the last seven months. But one thing that has rang true is that we we love hard. And so even if the times get rocked, we we really make it through because of our love for each other. So I feel like there's a strong foundation of trust here and and willingness to explore some some new things together that are unknown for him. That's beautiful. Jared, what do you believe Bryn is most afraid of right now? Most afraid of right now? Yeah. I would probably say that the most fearful thing for her would be letting down her guard completely like she has during this entire relationship and it's obviously it's a gradual effect of letting down and opening up and letting down and opening up but with the trials and tribulations that we've had i think the thing that she's most afraid of is to let it down completely for her heart to get shattered and this relationship not work out and the love that she's poured into it not be so effective as we would both like it to be. How does that make you feel? I understand. Um, it's obviously not a good feeling on the receiving end of it, but I do understand. So there's a, a sense of empathy to knowing that that is what the fear stems from. I think we, her and I have both been in plenty of relationships to know that fear of having your guard up, having your walls up, I don't think it's necessarily a sense of trust individually, but a sense of trust of us together. And how can we trust ourselves to move forward into a good space when there have been times where it hasn't been so good? 
And how do we fully pour into each other, trusting that the outcome will be what we both ultimately want? Yeah, I feel like that's very raw and real. At first, it's new for me to tap into having a guard up because I like to think that I don't until I hear it spoken and then I reflect on it and I ask myself, do I and where do I? And then I can see how and where I do. And it's funny how sometimes guards can be sneaky. You don't notice that they're there until they're pointed out. And I think we're really powerful mirrors for each other and we continuously show each other where we might have a guard up or might not be giving each other our all, even when we thought we were. And an argument that we'll have will rock us and then in the repairing state, we'll admit what we realize in a way that like without the argument, sometimes we can't get to that place. And I have to say, I think that's our strongest suit is how we repair after an argument and how we turn it around to reveal like, okay, this is what we see now. And then we find gratitude in it. So it, it makes me feel that there's truth to it. And I trust this relationship enough to explore bringing it down. What do you think he, he's most afraid of right now? The same thing. And that's where I think he identifies it and is able to, because I think what he's able to see in me is also what he is most afraid of too. Do you think it's specific to this relationship or it's reflecting on how you've lived life in the past? Both. I think that this relationship is the first relationship where he is willing and inspired to be the most vulnerable that he's ever been because the trust is strong and there is a soulmate connection there that hasn't been experienced to this degree before. So I think that yeah, this is the first relationship where he's able to be inspired enough and motivated enough to make that a, a big adjustment. But it's reflected in many areas in his life, not just this relationship. That's pretty awesome, right? Because the same wall that keeps out the pain can keep out the happiness too. Totally. Right? It's, it's just one wall. We have to learn how to, <laughs> how to work with it. Mm -hmm. What do you think he wants for the relationship? I think that he definitely wants us both to be a harmonious balance of masculine and feminine energy. He wants to be the best provider he could be and for me to be able to receive that and show up in that divine feminine energy that he doesn't embody because he has beliefs about the masculine energy for himself, not wanting to tap into the feminine. He's there to carry the masculine, I'm there to carry the feminine. And I have different beliefs about that. And I believe that I have both and that he has both and he's just learning to admit that the feminine is there in him without him relating it to gender. Right. And um, I think little by little, without maybe using those exact terms, we are finding our way to meet in the middle, the way the pendulum swings, because we could bring out the masculine in each other when we have these arguments, we both blow, but then when we repair, we both come into the feminine together, and that's how it gets better. 
when we re- when we meet in that raw state, that vulnerable state where the fight completely dies out and we're just left with that water, that flow and that openness and that realness. And so maybe without him realizing it's those words, that's what we're doing is we're learning that balance together. Wow. That's a really interesting topic. Um, Jared, prior to being with Bryn, what was your definition of masculinity and masculine energy? I still have the same definition. And how would you define it? Protect and provide. Um, I think, especially nowadays, and I'm sorry to whoever's listening, I'll probably get some flack for this, but to be honest, I really don't care. Um, I think being a man, besides just showing up for your family, being an honest, hardworking and loyal man, like your job is to protect and provide. Um, it comes in a lot of different ways, not necessarily just monetarily providing, but what do you do on a daily basis to provide for your family? And in the same token, how are you protecting them? How are you necessarily protecting their hearts, protecting them as people? You know, are you doing anything physically to make sure that if something were to go down, are you there to protect them? Um, are you financially protecting them? Are your kids set up to go to college? What, whatever the case is. Um, I still have that same belief today. I've always had that same belief. I might have not lived up to that belief in certain parts of my life. Absolutely. But it's the same belief going into it. Had you ever had conversations about quote unquote divine masculinity before meeting Bryn? Like in, in your mind right now, is there a difference between what you described and whatever divine masculine means? No, I never had a conversation about it beforehand, but in the early stages of Bryn and I speaking before we even physically met each other, we had talked about this. And she was like, that's exactly what I want, that type of person that I want to be with. And I embody that. So no, there was never a talk necessarily before in any type of relationship that I had that was divine masculine, divine feminine, all that. I also wasn't out in Los Angeles before them. And that seems like it's a big term out here. So (laughs) I'm going to be real with you guys too. Um, Which is cool. Like whatever way that people want to describe whatever they enjoy, that's fine. You know, you can use your adjectives to describe however you want to be. The bare bones of it is just that, you know. And what to you, what does femininity mean to you? For me? Yes. Just that it's not necessarily a caretaker. It's not necessarily anything to do with like, oh, I'm going to work all day and I'm going to come home and have that old school mentality. There's a little bit of old school to it, which I think is completely necessary. Like I'm the man, you're the woman. There's a lot of things. And I, and Brennan and I had talked about this before we even got into a relationship. There's a lot of things that a woman does that I can't do, nor would I ever try. There's a lot of things that a man does that a woman can't do, nor would she ever try. Or, you know, in, in my mind, should she like, there are not specific roles necessarily related to gender, right? But there are specific roles in a relationship. I don't expect me to sit home all day and Bryn go out and work and be the breadwinner of the family. That's just not how I was raised. And I was raised by a single mom for the first 10 years of my life. I watched her struggle, you know, 
she's big advocate of, of as a woman, like I'm going to take care of my own. I don't need a man. I just want a man. I understand that aspect of it too. And I was by my mom's side, you know, for the first 10 years of my life, we had a really good relationship. Um, but she also instilled in me along with the family that I grew up with, what it takes to be quote unquote, a man. And if you're going to have a family with a particular woman or a man for that matter, I don't care. This is what your responsibilities are. And this is what you need to do for them. Because at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, you are the provider, you are the protector. So what are you doing to continually upgrade those versions of yourself in order to be those things? Yeah, that, that's a very interesting subject. And I don't want to interject too much of me into this. I really just want to continue digging with you guys. Jared, what do you think Bryn wants more from you? <coughs> you okay? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm, you want some water? No, I'm good, baby. Okay. Um, what does she want more of from me? She likes who I am as a person of, if we're talking about those specific roles, the masculine roles, right? I'm very direct. I'm very logical. I'm very precise with the way that I do things. But with her, she wants me to tone it down a hell of a lot more than I have and be more loving, be more, I don't know another word, so I apologize, sweetheart, but mushy. Be be more, <laughs> you know, like that's my woman. And while I do act like that, she just wants me to not be so I mean, I probably the biggest thing stop being so damn logical and stop being so precise. Like, let's just love, basically. What does being mushy mean to you, Jared? When when you think of that, what does that mean? Just not. I it's it's hard for me to like at my core. I really am a big teddy bear, right? Like, I'll you know I'll kill you with my pinky finger, but I'm a, I'm a teddy bear, for real. And I I get to those mushy, goofy stages. I mean. We have between the two of us, three kids. Um, and I'm, you know, I get like that with them and get in that weird kind of goofy state. Brent and I are both weird as shit. Let's be real. Um, but just being that kind of love bug with her is, is I know that's what she wants from me. And that's kind of, and, and I understand it completely and stop being a hard ass. Do you think that doing one cancels out the other? Like you have to stop protecting them in order to be mushy? No, not necessarily. It's hard for me to step out of something that I am 80% of the time. Um, and the mindset that I've had almost all my life without even being the protector of a family, just the things that I went through growing up and how I was raised, um, it's hard for me now being 32 years old and not having to do that even in any past relationships where I've had to tone down who, you know, what I've done for so long, not necessarily who I am. It's a part of who I am, but what I've embodied for so long, it's hard for me to kind of flip the script on myself and be okay with it. So it's just a learning process. Right. It's like these aspects of you helped you survive up to into this point, right? It's been the very bedrock of your of your stability is you being able to be logical and solve these problems, right? Exactly. And now that you've conquered all these mountains, now you're at this peak and you're like, okay, cool. Now let go of all that. Right. It's like, this is how I survived to this point, right? Yeah, it's, 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 I've lived my life 
I've definitely made more than a few mistakes uh, in relationships, in business, in everything. But I think at the end of the day, I've done pretty well for myself. And you're right. I have done this for so long and it's gotten me this far in my mind. It's like, well, why, why change, you know? Um, but I know that in order for Bryn and I to have a successful relationship, I'm going to have to, and it's nothing towards my character. If I change, you know, I've thought about it logically that way. It's like, okay, is it going to affect my character? Is it going to affect what I do or who I am as a person? No, the fuck it's not. It's just me changing in order for our relationship to grow better. That feels authentic. How do you feel about what he said? We've already talked about all this. So it, to be honest, it's nothing new that I'm hearing because we really talk about things. And so it makes me feel very confident that this is the place for us to be, knowing that we both want to make upgrades. I like that word for it. Instead of maybe changes even that is though that's a nice also word what upgrade. it is because that's what it feels like yeah it doesn't feel like a downgrade and it doesn't feel like we're changing something that we're not agreeing to that we check in and go no this feels right to me too being with you feels right it feels like an upgrade yeah so that's i feel like we're both agreeing to make upgrades together like expanding the capabilities, right? It's yeah. like there was a time when the iPhones couldn't take photos. Right. They had no cameras and then it didn't have a selfie, whatever, right? It's yeah. just like, we still want to keep the core functionalities, mm -hmm. but let's add some new new features. I actually think comparing the phone to it or a car to it or like yeah. advances in technology makes sense comparing that to like a relationship's evolution. What does the masculine side of you feel like and do how do you how do you interpret that when you feel like you're being masculine what does that mean it comes out in a few ways i think i've always been a hustler myself and i know he respects that part of me and even though he always wants to provide in every way it's not like he's telling me to stop working i do still work in this relationship not because i have to at this point but because it fulfills me and so for me, it does mean still keeping a business of my own afloat, no matter what. But also because my business is artistic as well. My business involves both my masculine and feminine. Otherwise, it wouldn't be successful. Um, and so to me, it does mean still being a sense of a provider for myself, even when I'm in a relationship that's very all-providing. And... There is, I have toxic masculinity as well that he is resurfacing for me that I thought I healed in therapy. What does that mean, toxic masculinity, to you? Where I let rage and anger come up without a filter and without, um, without control of it. And because we, and at the beginning of our relationship, when I was angry about something or felt triggered about something, I tried to use what I considered divine language to talk through it, to navigate it. And to him, it came off like I was, what's the word you used? I think it was something like inauthentic or just, it was something like that. No, like a teacher, but you said- Like it, patronizing? Yeah, it was, yeah, it felt patronizing. Like I'm above you, I know more than you. 
forget the word you used. If I think of it, I'll say it. Yeah. But I get the, the feeling right. that you're describing. Okay. Pretentious. Yes, that was the word. Um, and so at first, I was pissed that it was coming off that way to him and annoyed because I'm like, I went to therapy to learn how to talk this way. <laughs> and I've worked so hard to not unleash a beast on you when I'm angry and to, to use these words. And they're not working for you, but it goes to show you how not one thing works in every relationship. And so I had to relearn how to navigate my masculine energy that came up with him because what I thought was a divine masculine way of approaching it was pretentious to him. So then I'm like, okay, fuck it. Like I threw all those tools out the window. And when I got angry, I showed him my anger and I didn't filter it and I didn't try to make it sound prettier. And it actually felt incredible. <laughs> like it actually felt so good. But then toxic behavior of mine was also resurfacing simultaneously. And so I had to learn, and I'm still having to learn, a balance where I'm showing the real, I'm not filtering it and trying to use pretty words on top of my real emotions, but I'm also not um, being disrespectful to him while I'm feeling anger. So toxic masculinity to me is acting on the anger in a spiteful way and feeling like you need to demonstrate a type of dominance in a that, very inconsiderate that, way. Yeah, almost, that yeah. comes off very disrespectful or is disrespectful. Wow. This journey that you guys are going through, especially with the masculine and feminine energy, I, I agree that even if it's a same-sex couple, there there is some sort of polarity that needs to be there, sure. right? Yeah. You know, even when people do partner dancing, it doesn't matter if you lead today, somebody else leads tomorrow, you can't have two leaders at the same exact time. Because right. then it's like, well, it's got to go one way or another. You can switch off, but the dynamic of a good lead and a good follow is important, right? Because they take equal amount of skills. Like in partner dancing, to yeah. be a great follow, to actually let go and not try to throw in your steps, right. you have to actually let go and be sensitive to the touch and all that, right? And to be a great lead, if you're in charge, take charge. Yeah. <laughs> really lead it, right? And and that balance, I feel like, is just not talked about enough in, in society. What do you think he wants more from you? I think he wants me to be more considerate about my words now at this point while if i do feel angry about something about your masculine words that you're yeah okay yeah <laughs> um and he definitely has helped me be more aware of not always i know it's not that i always cared to be right maybe there was a sense of that that like He's helped me learn how to be, this is self-reflective even more. I'm already self-reflective, but, and I feel like I'm demonstrating it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, my turnaround time of being able to admit what I realize is getting shorter, and I feel like I'm showing that, and I'm able to hear his feelings more. I think in the beginning, he felt like I wasn't hearing his feelings enough, and mine were more heard and more cared about if I, which, could, if I could interject for a second yeah. just something that is just kind of speaking to me 
because you both have been rewarded for certain things in your career up until now, mm-hmm. right? Like he's been rewarded for being masculine, logical, all these things. Mm-hmm. You've also been rewarded for being the teacher, the one with knowledge, mm-hmm. the one who is literally guiding the students. Even if it's guiding them through a feminine movement, mm-hmm. you're the one that's saying, hey, I'm going to lead you to the light of this experience. Right, yeah. Do you think that came onto that pattern in your conversations when you said that you, you like, the need to want to be off right or whatever, right? Do you think that that, what you're rewarded for being, which is a a thought leader of sorts, kind of condition you to want to keep that position in here? In a sense, yeah, we've had this conversation where he had to tell me like, I'm not your student. Like you're, I'm not here to be taught by you. I'm here to be your lover and your equal. So I definitely think that there has like, I've had to learn a different tone when talking with him because I'm like a teacher 90% of the time. Right. Just like how he was with the masculinity, right? It's like you spend most of your time conditioned and rewarded Mm -hmm. for being an actual contributor using this frame. Mm -hmm. That then it's like, of course, you're going to carry that frame over. It's like, well, this works over here. Maybe it'll work over there. But Mm And then you go through that resentment phase of like, why don't you love me for this? Everybody else does, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and I'm sure, yeah, same thing. But it does make sense if you have the vocabulary to explain it, why it doesn't work here in this dynamic. Because it makes it, I triggered his mother wound that he has sometimes when I talked that way. It made him feel less than, and I don't want to be that to him. And I don't want to trigger that. And it does, I'm sure that doesn't feel good. And I don't want to feel like you're too masculine with me. So it makes sense that we have to find this balance here and that it works. What I do over here works there because I'm talking to people that are in that role, that are paying me to show up in that role. And here, that's not the case. What does being too masculine mean? Too masculine? You just said that a second ago. Uh-huh. Hold on one second. We're good? Cool. Yep. I feel like being too masculine means not owning and loving the feminine energy that also flows through you and having illusions about what that feminine energy means. What what does that mean? Define femininity, feminine energy. Like like how would that show up? If somebody's watching at home, they're like, well, well how does this apply to me? Like give me an example. From what I've learned about masculine and feminine energy that resonates so much with me is that it is not gender associated in the realms that it's not binded to that. At the end of the day, it is energy and they are completely contrasted that masculine energy puts out and initiates and asserts while feminine energy is inward and creates everything from the inside and doesn't necessarily put out, it needs the masculine to step in to put out. There is this flow of both that without the other, we wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be the way that we are. And when I think there's a closed off uh, resistance to either or, there's just a misunderstanding about it, in my opinion, because I understand it to be when I go in and 
feminine energy is when I go in, I listen to my emotions, I'm asking myself questions, I'm listening to what my body's telling me, my intuition, it's everything that's happening to me on the inside. And my masculine energy is the confident part of me that's willing to act on it, to put it out and to assert myself and to make necessary moves on what I'm creating inward. So if I have an idea about something and then I reach out to a person to act on that idea, it took both energies for that to happen. Am I hearing you correct? In, in an example would be that the feminine side would be tuning into the knowingness and listening and receiving the energy. And then the masculine side is the actualizing side of it. Yes. Does that mean that then if a girl actualizes something, she's being masculine? She's tapping into her masculine. That's my feeling. That's your interpretation it. of it? Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and I just want to make sure that, because again, because this is all relative, right? So when you achieve feminine things, you're doing so in a masculine way is what you're saying? Or is there a feminine way to achieve a thing? Like, is that a very act of trying to achieve something masculine in and of itself? In a sense, because it took the feminine energy to create the thought and to tap into it and to feel it and to be aware of it. And then it took my masculine energy to act on it. So by that definition, when a guy who believes he's being masculine has a vision to say, oh, I'm going to build this restaurant, the inspiration for the vision for the restaurant is a feminine state of receiving that to be like, you know what, I would make an amazing restaurant. Like that's the feminist. And then the masculine side is the, let me actually. To do. That's how I see it. And it resonates very much with me. That's a, Jared, what do you think about that definition? I, her and I don't agree with stuff like that. Uh, I, I just. Where do you disagree? I just, all right, from the start, masculine and feminine energy are there's no gender specific yet you're using them in terms of gender right feminine being female masculine being male those are both genders so you can't say that something doesn't have those type of energies to it and then immediately call them that but i'm not going to disrespect her opinion of it at all that is her opinion of it that is what she believes my belief i mean if i'm going into a cage fight with somebody the feminine part of me is not going to say you should really go head kick that guy into oblivion and hope you knock him out. That wouldn't be a feminine thought. The action and the thought are both masculine. I just don't think thoughts are derived from the inside, whether they're masculine or feminine. You're either, you're either being a man or a woman. I think men can be very emotional just as much as the whatever portrays women to be very emotional. I've met very emotional men just the same i also know some very very prominent women who do business and and do things logically and you know and that's what the media or whoever portrays to be a man side right i think there's no if we're going to use the term energy we're going to use the terms toxic energy in whatever state that is i just don't believe that it's necessarily fluid to a specific gender right because as a woman if you have toxic masculinity you don't you're a woman you have toxic femininity right i have toxic toxic masculinity because i'm a male whether that's emotionally abusive right as a man which is naturally more geared towards women to be emotionally abusive rather than a man being more physically abusive just if we're talking about abuse it doesn't matter 
So I just, I have different thoughts on it, you know? Now, if we're saying that, you know, that, well, I just, yeah, that I just have different, different thoughts on it. It doesn't mean I don't respect the way that she thinks, you know? If I didn't respect the way she thinks, I wouldn't be able to, you know, rewire my mindset in order for us to coexist and her the same way with me. Um, I just, that's just not something that I've ever believed. And, and it's not that I haven't been necessarily open to believing it. It's just something that, that has never resonated with me because if we're at the word level or at the behavioral level, because words are just semantics. If, of, you, if we course. were all but, mute, right. But people love be? to use those words, especially nowadays, toxic, feminine, masculine energies, right? That's, those are, those are the words that are being collective especially now in today's culture, right? People use those words a lot. 10 years ago, you didn't really hear, you know, the energy of me and the energy of you are aligning into this perfect balance of the universe, right? People weren't more spiritual back then either. Not mainstream, know? at least. Right, there, it there, wasn't. They were mostly uh, the, Burning Man. Of, of course, know, right, exactly. No, there, no, I'm not saying there yeah. was spirituality yeah. didn't happen 10 years ago. Right. It wasn't just more open and it wasn't, cool to be spiritual back then. Right? right. And I'm definitely not saying that's what Bryn is now being cool to be spirit. That's, that's not what it is at all. You don't achieve the things that she's achieved within her work without having a spiritual conscious for an extended period of time. And I know it's not to be trendy. Absolutely. And so it's not just semantics with words, right? It's just this, it, it, it's just this, okay, here's a perfect example, right? Um, in a, in a, an old school mentality, an old school way of thinking, right? Women cook, right? Women are cook the house or, or, or clean the house, whatever, something like that. I cook every night for her. I enjoy it. I love it. Does that mean I'm tapping into my feminine energy because the thought of wanting to cook for my family is there to provide them with a good dish? No, I'm a guy who enjoys cooking. I'm a guy who's had a restaurant, who's been the chef of a restaurant. I cook things differently than she cooks, but I enjoy the light up on her face, on our kids' faces. Our, by the way, our kids uh, eat steak on the regular. Um, that's one of their favorite dishes, you know? So if I'm making the kids a steak or making her a steak, it doesn't mean I'm tapping into my feminine energy. It just means I'm a dad who likes to cook for my family. You can also say that's a, that's a, a masculine energy too, right? You're providing, you're providing them right. food. So the, the intertwinement and the semantics of words really, it just never has resonated with me. I'm either, if we're in a fight, I'm either going to be a dick or I'm not going to be a dick. <laughs> it, it just is what it is. It doesn't mean I'm tapping into a different energy. I'm still a guy at the end of the day, you know, I'm either going to approach it well enough for us. And, and so are you for us to navigate through it correctly, or maybe one of us is going to be off and we'll bring the other one up. That doesn't mean you've tapped into your masculine or feminine energy. It just means we're both acting not good right now to each other. We both need to tone it down or one versus the other, whatever. And we're in this together. So let's do it together. So is it the description of what's happening that's that's more bothersome to you or is it the actual actions that's being requested? No, the actions being requested don't bother me at all. Um, it's more the description of it. It's just, yeah, like we don't need to use so many different words. to It, it just is what it is. And I think people get caught up so much 
and using these words and and they like to be very wordy and and using different adjectives to describe something that is so just bare right it when when you break down all the different layers right there are two spiritual beings or two human beings whatever way you want to look at it that we are in a coexisting relationship with each other and just because it's Bryn and I, so I'll just describe us. There's a man and a woman in this relationship. We've both identified that very clearly. There are certain things that she is better at than I am. And and there are certain things that I'm better at than she is. Okay, we love both of those strengths out of each other. It's hard for both of us to tap in into a good way the strengths that we don't have, but we're learning to do so right? If we end up in a fight, it can be toxic in both ways. But it doesn't mean that, well, you know, I've, I've thought about this and, and the feeling inside is necessarily feminine. No, it's like, okay, I've turned down my head, turned down the thoughts. Let me approach this at a different angle because the logical angle might not be working for her because that's not what she receives. She receives things from an emotional love angle. And vice versa, I, I receive things from a very logical standpoint. So I just, if we're talking about that in general, to me, like you say whatever you want, but in my head, um, that goes out the window. And, and she knows I respect her thought process very much, especially at this point. I wouldn't be here and we wouldn't still have this beautiful relationship no matter how many bumps we've had if I didn't respect her thought process. And what was the word you used, honey? Not change, but upgrade. upgrade the way that I handle and and think about things when it comes to her. Wow. Wow. That's a lot to take in. So, Jared, what do you think it would look like from a behavioral standpoint? Forget the words. From a behavioral yeah. standpoint, if Bryn got what she wanted. I... It looks like our relationship when our relationship is very smooth. <laughs> like let's uh, we're not gonna, just keep that going. Yeah, we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna not gonna sh sugarcoat it at all. Our when our the the thing about Brent and I's relationship for the last seven months and sweetheart, correct me if I'm wrong. Jump in at any time. When we're good, we're probably the best. I know for me it is, and I think you'll agree that we have ever been in our lives in a relationship because when it's good, it's fucking amazing. We're, we're clicking, we're speaking with respect, we're joking around, we're having fun, but when it's bad, it's the worst. And so to, to say what what would it look like we know what it would look like i don't think either one of us would still be here if we didn't know what it looked like you know so it's uh we just have to get to a point of okay and we are of this consistency being the norm for us and the ups and downs like like she likes to say she can't be on this emotional roller coaster that's what it feels like for her and i agree at some point, it's either the coaster stops because we've checked into the station or we decide to get off before another big loop. How would you know if you got what you wanted? 
I always tap into my feelings to feel if everything feels good to me. And recently I told him, even when we were doing good, and when I say good, I feel like what that means to me is we've communicated anything that we were feeling. There's nothing that we're holding on to. And we are in a connective space where we feel each other through and through. Yeah, there's nothing like I'm holding on to. And there's humor and there's love and there's affection, blah, blah, blah. But recently I did tell him that I would love to be more spiritually connected. And and I described to him how I feel like that's a quality that will stand the test of time. And because I have a big spiritual community that I have loads of spiritual conversations with where we do talk about energies and we do talk about our theories and ideas and we'll go on for hours inspiring each other. And it's probably the only thing that him and I haven't been able to share in. Everything else we have, everything is the only thing. And and so it was relevant to me, but I almost thought to not bring it up because of that thing we go through in relationships where we're like, but I have pretty much everything that I've asked for. Like, why am I greedy to want this one more thing that isn't here when literally all these things that I've ever prayed for are most attracted I've ever been, best sex, like provider, all this stuff. When we argue, we repair. Yes, it's bad when we argue, but it's good when we make up, you know, and but like spiritually is the one thing that I I wasn't feeling like we got to fully share. Is that a bonus or is that a must have? This is what I think why I've for seven months not even mentioned it because I perceived it as a bonus until when I brought it up and f- started to feel like it's a must have um, because I personally started to in my gut and intuition feel like it's a part of why we go through such big blowouts. And and that conversation took place the day before we had a blowout. And after the blowout, when we came into the repair stage, if you don't mind me sharing, it was the first time that he mentioned being open spiritually to exploring quote unquote God, the universe with me and admitted that he has been very closed off to that, our whole relationship, and that he is a something he's never explored in a romantic relationship ever before. And he's open to the idea that it would be um, somewhat of the missing piece here. And it like, it lit me up so much. So that feeling that I got hearing him be open to that was confirmation of the question that you just asked, like, how would I know? I'm like, anytime I get a little lit, that's how I know. Because even when I was listening to him say that, I separated myself from being his lover and was just proud of him as a person. Like thought to myself, let's say, God forbid, we don't make it. That's dope. You just got to that space. Like I had that moment 
where I was like, that's really cool that our relationship brought you to this moment, whether we make it or not. Because so, you believe it's it it's for the best interest of you as individuals, not just you. It's not just a relationship thing that you want. It's a thing that you believe in your heart is good for him as a human in general. Yeah. Well, we're acting like I don't have spirituality, so let's pause right there. Yeah. I wouldn't be sober if I didn't have spirituality. What does spirituality and, mean to you? What what is it? Well, here's a here's a shocker. I don't believe that there's a god out there, so there is that. Um, I believe that there is something greater than myself, a thousand percent. Um, I hate the word God. She knows that we don't. I don't use the word God. Um, I associate it with religion, and there are how many religions in this world? Who's to say yours is better than mine? So it just it never made sense to me. Now, if I didn't think that there was, uh, whatever a higher power, universe, energy being whatever greater than myself, I wouldn't be sober today. So it's not that I don't have spirituality. Do I practice it now as much as I, I used to? No, absolutely not. Um, do I meditate now as much as I used to? No, I used to meditate every morning. Um, so yeah, and I've never explored that with another partner because to me, spirituality is very sacred, right? It's um, it's It can be shared commonly to a certain extent, but what is spirituality if it's not of divine intervention within yourself and the universe? Let's be real. So, and in your context, the universe would represent the higher sure, being, sure. The universe God, would be God, whatever alien, you want to call creator, it, right? Yeah, yeah, whatever, whatever right? you want to call it. it. Okay. It's so interesting hearing you both explore this topic because these are things that I think about all the time within myself too. Like, I like I literally have <laughs> these kind of conversations in my head about. You know, especially with all these words, right? Like, what does a word mean? Especially being somebody who wasn't American, learning English, and then learning, wait, this word means this, but it also means these three other things. And then every other generation kind of redefines what it means. And it's, it's like, so interesting, right? Like, what would spirituality be if you couldn't speak? Right? It's just this, like, inner knowingness, right? right. This connection to, to the above. Are you religious? I'm born 100% Jewish. Okay. And um but wasn't truly a practitioner of the traditions. My parents not really either. But I feel deeply connected to Judaism. When I'm in temple, I cry every time cuz it I could feel my ancestry run deep and I'm called to study it more as of recent. Um so that's my religion, but I don't really practice the traditions present day, haven't really raised Nala with them either, but feel called to learning more. And I, I appreciate it a lot. I feel, it feels good to me when I think about it or when I'm there at present in temple. But no, I'm predominantly just spiritually aware. It's funny. So you both really value the word spiritually and spirituality. And I wouldn't be with him if he wasn't spiritual. We just use different terms. Yeah, and I was brought up Catholic and that's why I don't like the word God. And I went to Catholic school and let's be real, the Catholic religion hasn't had the best uh, gold star on them for for years. But that is that is why I, that's why I lost any type of uh, God, you know, growing up. Yeah, that's understandable. But it, it almost feels like you guys have slightly different religions and, you, and you're trying to find a way to like mash it together, right? Like these belief systems are kind of in place of religion, right? Like mm -hmm. how you believe you are 
what you connect to and how you should be. Mm-hmm. It's essentially what religion is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, have you come to a place of negotiating to where, in theory, you guys know you could work it out? Just in practice, you got to do it more? Or is there still theoretical questions that are unsolved? Well, go ahead, Dave. We're really in that space right now. We actually have a trip planned for Joshua Tree for Valentine's Day. Nice. To just be in nature and and read and connect spiritually. And we're exploring what that means to us as a couple right now. Yeah, after that, after we came to that conclusion, <laughs> she almost missed her flight um, back to LA because we were in, and then I flew back in yesterday. So there hasn't been a lot of time together, at least, to explore that. But in theory, you guys know what you want to explore. In theory, I think that we have both reached a place where we want to share in that connection more fluidly together, not just have it as individual experiences to read. Like, I am obsessed currently with this book called Conversations with God, which is a book that I deeply feel would assist Jared in removing the ill in, ill views of the word God, because even in that book, God talks about removing those illusions off of the name as well because the guy who is the interpreter of that book went to a catholic school and doesn't like that word so much either Mm -hmm. so i've seen jared's perspective through this book and the way that it's it helped god who talks to this guy i forget his name so i don't want to say it wrong um helps him redefine it doesn't care what he's called, the universe, um, the person that you are, I am you, you are me. It's like, you guys just gave me that word anyway, you know? And so I've sent him pages of that book ever since we had this agreeance to explore spirituality more together and he's received them and just been open to them. And really, I'm just happy to share something where we're both open to it with more openness. Yeah, I feel that. Jared, what's your logical plan? I just, the only thing that I don't want and that I never want out of any type of relationship I'm ever in is for anybody's beliefs and thoughts to get pushed onto me or try me having to try to have to adopt those beliefs in order for something to work, right? Um, I've been spiritual. I have my own views on it my logical thing would be, okay, we both have our own views on it, but there is some point in where where those views do align, even if, I, I'm not saying 80% of them don't, but even if 80% of them didn't, there is a crossing point where both of those views align to where we could have open discussions or open meditations or anything like that. My The thing that I hate the most, and Bryn can talk, I think she will agree with this, just in general with me is, I don't like things being pushed onto me. I have belief, and that doesn't mean that I'm not open to them. I'm open to receiving things. But if I tell you I'm open to something and and like I have been with, with her book and you know, I don't think that one person's perspective of not having God has a full understanding of what I believe, but being open to receiving the pages of the book and reading them and, and commenting on them, that's great. We're both gonna derive two different thought processes from that, always. 
right? Because we're two human beings with two different brains. And sometimes her and I are on polar opposite ends of a spectrum, even if it is the same spectrum. So it's not necessarily being not open to those things because I am, I will be, I have no problem with it. But how can we start at least start to where our paths cross in the same type of thing that we're both talking about, even if we use two different words? Do you feel logically like you have a good plan going forward, like for this trip? Her and I, we don't necessarily have a plan going forward. We're going to... The plan to figure out the plan. Like like in your mind right now, does it, does it feel like we figured out how to build the bridge and now we just got to lay the concrete? Or it's like we have no idea how this bridge is going to stick up. Like how is your logical mind feeling? Me? Yeah, you. Oh, no. I, my logical mind, I, uh, I've figured out with her and I's relationship, my logical mind nine times out of ten doesn't work. So I don't, I don't, really? let, it, I don't let it affect. What do you mean by that not work? Because if I use my logical brain to... In our relationship, in our love, in our spirituality, in all the in all the other things that aren't logical, the emotional things that aren't logical, it falls to to shit for lack of a better word. And that's the the exact thing that she does not want me to be, right? Is she doesn't not want me to be logical. That's not what I'm saying. But with her and our relationship, it's be a little bit be more emotional than you are logical. And do you think by your own kind of analysis of it, you consider that your logic wasn't very helpful? Like, was that pushed onto you? Or do you see from like, no, I've tried using logic and apparently that doesn't work. No, like, I've, I've, it's trial and error. Okay. Like my logical brain does not work with, uh, with certain things in our relationship. With certain things, of course it does. But with certain things, right. no, it does not For work. For the relationship, yeah. Correct. So you actually logically see it making sense that you would benefit from expanding. Expanding what? Whatever that means for you guys. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, we we have to do something in order for us to work, you know. Um, not that we haven't before, but um, we have we have to do something. And do you think um, straight up that 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 these upgrades? that she's, you know, requesting, mm -hmm. do you believe that they are about this relationship or do you believe that they're valuable no matter what relationship you're in? Like, do you see the eternal value of these things or is this the thing that Bryn needs me to do? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, I think that's for anybody, right? Like the quote unquote upgrades that we're doing um, for this relationship, while yes, they would be upgrades in, our lives in general, they are upgrades for this relationship specifically as well. So yes, there are definitely certain things that we're upgrading that will benefit both of us. And if, if we were to part ways today separately, of course, but there, I speak a certain way now with her that, and I had to quote unquote upgrade because of her, you know, it's not because of me. It has nothing to do with me talking to my friends or the people that I've had throughout my life, friends, the the three people that I talk to, whatever. Um, you know, we speak to each other a very different way. And yes, we love each other. But the love with her is different. So I have to upgrade whatever word we want to use in order to fit her as well. Are there certain things that we are upgrading for each other that will definitely benefit us in our lives going forward a hundred percent
almost like if you were dating somebody that spoke a, a literal different language, right? right? It's like you could spring broken English together or you can learn a little bit of whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. She, we can we can learn Spanish and yes, it'll benefit me in the rest of my life, but it's also I'm learning Spanish for her. I gave you that one because you want to be like you. Know, <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is so interesting. I really like this format. You guys are giving such thoughtful and, and, and insightful answers. Um, Jared, can you, I, I guess, straw man or steel man, whatever word, give your best logical argument for why what you're doing is right, as in that why these upgrades are beneficial? What is your logical defensive? I, we've tried ever, uh, we've tried without it, and it hasn't worked. That's, I mean, that's the purest logic that I can give. You know, it's trial and error, right? Logic, when it comes down to it, it's X, Y, and Z doesn't work, but A, B, and C might. There's no other plan. So let's try A, B, and C because at the end of the day, it's either we stay the same and we know what we're getting if we stay the same and we know the outcome of that or we try something different that could benefit and only benefit, whether that's with us or not. It's it's the same way of saying, hey, if you, you know, uh, to, sorry to go this extreme, but to a cancer patient, Hey, we think this will work 75% of the time. It should work, but there's a 25% chance that it might not. That cancer patient is going to take two of those pills. And that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're changing the narrative by doing things that her and I, that this, this last piece, or so it seems at this moment, this <laughs> <Right>. last piece <laughs> would be would be the fix now if she comes back two weeks later she's like look i thought about this and you know like there's these other things that you're just not hitting on this list and the list grows but it hasn't been that right so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this if if any two people do things with a hundred percent it's us so we're gonna go into it a hundred percent and 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 Right. It's not 50, 50. It's a hundred, a hundred. Right. Yeah. It's a hundred, a hundred. And that's, you know, uh, you know, it's never pulling back and forth. It's, you're given a hundred. I'm given a hundred. That's it. How are you feeling? I feel good. I, I think that we are a very self-reflective couple. So this conversation is easy because of that. I'm not, I'm not hearing anything I haven't heard before, vice versa. We're just excited, I think, to share from a more transparent level, like you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, when we first did this podcast with you, I think we were only two and a half, three months in. I think we just celebrated a three-month anniversary. Yeah, like we <laughs> we had, all at that point, we did already have high highs and low lows, but I think we were way more experienced with the highs at that point and just so happy to have those highs together that we were here not not so conscious of our spiritual beliefs and what does make this work and what isn't working and we were just high more on the manifestation of each other and that we have upgraded from our previous relationships to a degree that we're like hey like you're an embodiment of so much of what I wanted that we were just riding that that higher part of the wave and then at this point, we've experienced what feels like a full spectrum of each other, which is 
I feel seasoned sitting here. Yes. I'm not saying it's seven a fuller months experience. Is 10 years. Yeah, yes, yeah. But I think for us, and I've had this belief about life in general, it's not how much time, it's what you've done in that time. Yeah, absolutely. And in seven months, we've done a lot. So in actionable steps, Bryn, from your perspective, what advice would you give for women on what not to do? In? Uh, from the lessons you've learned with Jared, of just like things, mistakes that you've made or, th mm -hmm. or things that didn't give you the most fruitful results, how translate that into advice for women? He's helped me not hide what I'm feeling, like to not assume he can read my mind. <laughs> so <clears throat> something not to do that I think women hear this a lot is don't assume they know what you're thinking and feeling. And he can sense a game right away. And he's always right about when I'm, he, sometimes maybe something I'm doing comes off like a game, but <laughs> he's definitely helped me recognize if I am playing one. And it's been hard for me to admit because I think we as women can be master game players in a sense. And he has really helped me break down any sense of game playing or recognize when I am playing a game and didn't even know I was playing one. What does that mean playing a game? How What would that be an, an actionable step for a woman? So like there was a prominent experience in my mind where he was coming home from the gym. He told me he was starving and I heard that but didn't digest it all the way and thought more about how I wanted a Starbucks on his way home. And so instead of saying, okay, baby, I'll make you breakfast and it'll be ready by the time you get home. I would really love a Starbucks. Can you grab me one? I said, would, I said, doesn't Starbucks sound good? Or I said something very indirect like that. And then his response via text was like, no, not really. And then I was like, well, don't you, in my head, like, don't you get that that was me saying I want one? You know, and and so I said, well, I would like one. He was like, um, okay. And he, the reaction, it just all went to shit. We ended up having a moment from there. It wasn't too bad, but it was like a moment. And he ended up saying, what could have happened is you could have just said, I want a Starbucks because you asking for that actually made me feel like you didn't hear. I just said I was starving. Like when I leave the gym, I'm starving. So in that moment, you made me feel like your request and what you wanted was more important than mine, but we both could have got what we wanted in that moment if you addressed, hey, I'll make you breakfast, I'll get that going, can you get me a Starbucks? So it's like- things, Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Recognizing that, A, hearing their request. Yes. Right, like when somebody's either a cry for love, right, or, or, or a loving response, right? So mm -hmm. if somebody's saying, hey, I need this, you responded with your own need. Right. Instead of acknowledging, hey, right, and then getting both. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's great. Is there another one, a very valuable one that, you would give to other women that obviously not everybody's in the same position as you, yeah, but to yeah. those that are, yeah. what are actionable steps? Hey girls, try this and it, it might help your relationship. Yeah. Um, another one is, yeah, being upfront about my feelings as well, not holding on and bringing it up later. 
I think we as women do that too. We kind of go, ooh, I didn't like that. And then we'll hold on because it maybe wasn't that big of a deal in the moment. And then maybe something else happens again later. And now that now I have like a my anger, my my fuse is much higher at this second thing or third thing that happened. And now three things are coming out at once versus him getting to hear about that first thing that happened. Right. Like not storing it all up for one blowout. Yes. Yeah. Because then my reaction definitely gets worse the more I hold on to something and build upon it. And then the guy's like, why are you so mad over this one little thing? Yeah. And you're like, it's all the things. Right. <laughs> right. So he has definitely said to me, like, tell me what you're feeling when you're feeling it. Don't hold on to it. And so with per his request, I feel like now if I sense something, I'm way more keen to there is this thing that just happened and this is how I'm feeling about it versus storing it because he also knows me well enough to know if I'm acting a little different from something and then he'll get a little um, off towards me if he senses that and then reacts to it and then I'm like, why are you acting off? And he's like, well, feeling it from you and it just nothing gets better from that space of holding on to something and I think for whatever reason we all have our own, we don't always feel safe or comfortable enough to share what we're feeling when we're feeling it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we think we need to process it more so that we could speak on it better. And that's not always the best way because us sitting on it can make us act different in the next moments coming forward. Creating more problems moving forward. Right. And you might even dilute it by revisiting it the wrong way. Right. Like we're not the best at analyzing. So. Yeah. And so I think it's safer and better to be like, hey, I haven't fully processed this yet. Um, but this thing I just picked up on or the way you just said that, it just bothered me. It doesn't have to be something we hold on to. We can also admit that I don't really know how is best to approach this other than just to approach it, you know, and let's do our best to talk about it right now so that I'm not holding on to it. And then we can all respect that, I think, because we've all experienced to a degree someone holding on to something and that not becoming a better thing. Do you think that's um, a feminine thing to hold on to things and bring them up later? Maybe. I or think I'm trying to think if I've experienced him do that. I don't think he's done that. Have you done that? I don't. I don't think so. I'm usually pretty outward with how I feel. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, he's same. If something bothers it. me, I tend to say it right yeah, away. Yeah, like, I think it is more of a feminine me. thing, probably from us not owning our emotions as much as we can because we don't want to come off too emotional. Because to our partners, if they are more masculine or men, it um, could be used against us as we're like a conditioned fear to say I shouldn't speak up so much too emotional yeah or maybe we haven't been received well in our emotional state so we're like let's pick our battles right but in but in actuality you're stacking your battles right instead of picking them <laughs> and I think in partnership <laughs> yeah. yes it's necessary that we um as women too understand that the, if the language of our partner is more masculine, there is a way to be in his terminology, like less wordy about it, like more just straight up about it. And I think that that's really like we don't necessarily disagree on our spiritual beliefs. We just disagree on our approach to them. 
Like we're very connected on what we believe in. And that's why we're here because I'm at a point in my own spirituality where I actually couldn't coexist with someone that didn't um, in a foundational way value what I value. Right. Um, we just describe it differently. And so being with him who is like more logical based, more just say it like it is, I've learned to be less frilly in words that he's used Absolutely. Yeah. And before we go to Jared, what advice would you give for women to attract the kind of love that you have with him? I know that in order for me to have attracted him as my partner, who is a very self-aware man, my best advice is to become as self-aware as a woman as possible. Like before him and I merged and connected or found each other, I had almost a year ago from this exact time on Valentine's Day took a solo trip to Joshua Tree, coincidentally. And it was my very first time ever doing that and doing it with so much confidence and excitement. I've never been single too long in my lifetime, but it was a period where I was single technically. And because um, I was dating and exploring, but no titles and commitment at that time. Sure. And felt like dating myself was just as much of a priority at that point than mm. as it was to dating other people. So dating yourself became a concept I was fully owning at that point. And I, that's my best advice to women to attract a partner that they truly want from heart center that is not filling a void, but matching and mirroring what they are already providing and giving to themselves is you have to date yourself first. Yes, that that is such a interesting concept, you know, because a lot of times we expect to get things from other people, but we forget that we know ourselves pretty well. Yeah. It's like, yeah, like just this week I was snowboarding. And I was like, wow, I, I was like, I deserve some new boots. Yes, I do. Thank you, me. And yeah. I just bought some new snowboarding boots, and it just felt so nice. It felt like literally like I was taking myself out on a date for a week. Like it is, it's a it's an important practice. Mm -hmm. to and have. it is a practice. It is, it is a constant practice that shouldn't stop even when you attract your partner. Right. It's not like once you get them, now I stop dating myself. Right. Why is that so important? So that you never become attached in an unhealthy way or too expectant of your partner in an unhealthy way or, um, ex yeah, where you expect them to fill a void that you're not filling yourself which then you can become overly sensitive, overly wanting of something from them because you're not simultaneously providing it. I think that in relationships, we can definitely become too attached to something or they're filling that void. We need a compliment or we need this because we're not giving it to ourselves. And so when we stop dating ourselves, we stop giving those things to ourselves, And then also we probably energetically then attract that voided feeling even more mm. when, you know, because our energy is speaking in security and, and what we, I believe are feeling we get. But if you continue to date yourself and wake up and say, good morning, beautiful. And then you hear it back. You're like, oh, you just mirrored to me what I just said to myself. So it's just, confirmation versus you just filled this empty cup. 
right? Because then you're putting the power outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can't, because we can't control so much of life, but we can control that, our inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. And you're always then loving from a space where I'm seeing him as the human and man that he is and not the, you're the thing that I need. You're the thing that I get to experience because you're the addition to me, not the completion. Not the empty void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's great. That's really useful stuff. Mm-hmm. Jared, what advice would you give to guys specifically on things on not to do? <laughs> the list is high. Yeah, there's a lot of things. <laughs> and not just with you, but Yeah, but just, just in general. Just, <laughs> in yeah. general, I mean, the... The first thing is like, I feel like a lot of guys nowadays, and I know because I did this for so long, a lot of guys, at least kind of well-off guys, they associate their self-worth with their work, which then you don't have an identity anymore. And then if you don't have an identity, what are you going to give your partner? They don't want to work you, you know, because it's not you all the time. First and foremost, it's figuring out who you are. And I know that's such a broad type of answer, where it's like, you just need to figure out who you are and we'll figure out the rest. <laughs> it's like, no, dude, like do some real work on yourself. The trauma that my therapists over my life, because I've been going to therapy for so damn long, have told me I experienced, right? Because I didn't think it was trauma. There was a lot of stuff that I thought was very normal. They told me it was trauma and I needed to work through it. And it comes out every once in a while. And it's like, all right, there's a part of me that I haven't worked on yet and dive deep into it. Um, I think self-work, is a lot to do with how a a relationship, whether that's with a significant other, a friendship, a relationship with anybody else, that's number one for me, Um, the self-work. I wouldn't be with her today if I hadn't done the years and years of self-work that I had to do. And yes, obviously both her and I over the last however many years have been in different relationships with other people, but for the last seven months we've been together. And it has seemed like, and I'll use your word, sweetheart, an upgrade, right? To where we finally figured out what we wanted and who we wanted to be with and how that wanted to look. But without, like she just mentioned, the self-work that she did on herself, I know she used different terms, but the self-work that I've done on myself, that realization couldn't have gotten there. Um, That's a big thing for me. And that's a big thing that, that I think has not been said so much you know a lot of the times it's it's you know how you know hardworking, loyal honest good foundation but what what does that actually fucking mean at the bare bones to it and nobody wants to touch on it because everybody's scared of the damn feelings nowadays so what does it mean i i think it just means being who you truly are and owning it not being scared to own it, right? I think there's a lot of people that go along with life with these different masks for the different types of people that they come across. And don't get me wrong, in business, it works really well, right? I can't walk into the hospital and talk to the CEO with every tattoo of mine showing. They're obviously on my face. He's going to see him. But I think the rest of my body can be covered. I can't walk in there with a tank top to put a suit on. That would be a mask. But the words are still the same, right? It's the same person still talking. 
rather than a person that I talk to on the street where I can have a different type of conversation with. Cool, that's business. But what about to yourself? Are you talking to yourself in the same voice that you're talking to everybody else in? That's a little bit different too, right? The the voice that, that goes on in my head is definitely not the voice that comes out. I talk to myself way differently. Not, in a, not necessarily in the best ways sometimes. I want to make that very clear too. But that's kind of what it looks like. It's recognizing who you are and portraying that at the core to everybody that you come across. It seems like it's like a, a foundational piece of advice you're giving, Jared, because a lot of times we focus on the surface actions like, guys, just open the door more or whatever. Right. Th those are like behavioral levels at the surface. But what's underneath all that is once you really do the work on yourself, right. the right actions will bubble up out of that, right? Like if you haven't done the work on your trauma or your anger issues, they're going to show up in all kinds of pissy ways. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's one piece of advice. I mean, what about just on a, okay, so, so then that's a fantastic advice. That's like deep foundational stuff. What about one level or more above that towards the surface, not fully surface levels, but sure. just actionable, other actionable things guys can do. Being able to be adaptive and receiving things in a way that is not criticism. Um, being adaptable in a relationship is necessary first and foremost like we were talking about before the upgrades right can't upgrade if we're not adaptable that would mean we're just stuck in our ways and it is what it is it's not it's never going to be it is what it is because at the end of the day you guys are both growing and evolving just in life in general you're going to have to be adaptable and that would be adapting to her needs as much as she's adapting to my needs and they're in lies the upgrades that we were speaking about earlier. I love that being adaptable. Anything else you think would be useful? The, the receptiveness is a big one. Um, and how would that show up? The receptiveness yeah. would just be to shut up and listen. That's a big, that's a big thing. Keep your mouth shut and listen. That's a life quality in general, but in relationships, it's good too can't can't hear what your partner wants if you keep talking right i've done it to her countless numbers of times and vice versa we do it to each other and we have both realized that it's not it just doesn't work you know we we realize that before but we really realize it together it just doesn't work and it sets us both off and then we never get to the crux of the problem because we're arguing about who talked over the other person so it's that is a, that's a big piece of advice right to, I think maybe not just a guy, but speaking to the guys out there, just be quiet. You'll get to talk, you know, and before you just answer immediately off the hip with whatever the hell that you think your ego is telling you to say, relax a little bit and speak with what you actually mean. Yes. Yes. To to receive her fully instead of being in a rush to, to just give your answer. Is there a recipe that you have, Jared, for when you make your best decisions and when you make your worst decisions? Like if you had to create a recipe for you making bad decisions, what would that look like? Just in general, bad yeah, decisions? Yeah, even with, with like when you've made mistakes in the relationship, what, if, if you had to break that down into a recipe. Ego. Ego is the biggest recipe for a failure. Because it comes out in so many different ways. Um, 
Britain likes to talk about how ego is a good thing sometimes, and I agree with her when I'm talking about the bad ego. It's that shit will ruin whatever because it comes out in so many different ways. It comes out in arrogance. It comes out with just not caring and the tones and the different ways that that's approached. Um, that is the recipe for disaster, I think, in just in general. You know, how would that be applicable? Like if there's a guy listening to this, okay, Jared, don't have ego. Like, what does that literally mean for the next time he hangs out with his girlfriend? Like, I think it goes to the points that I made about being receptive, listening, um, being open. The different tones that you have can wildly affect a conversation and learning how to not go into things with arrogance like you know it all you know, and not trying to pretend like you know it all either. I think that's, that's the biggest thing that I could say. And what would be your recipe for making great decisions? Like, is there even like a way that your day goes differently? Like, like, is there like, not, probably not this scientific, like a morning routine that leads to you being less of a dick, right? Like, <laughs> like what is, what is the literal recipe? I know, I'm, you a, I'm, back I'm for, always, for you? always being a dick. Um, no, there's <laughs> not, I don't think there's necessarily I don't think there's necessarily a recipe. It's just how I handle certain situations that come up. Every day is different. Um, is there I, a pattern that you notice? Like, do you make most of the bad decisions when you're hangry? Or is it like, <laughs> I'm trying to get it down to like... She'll, she'll, she'll probably tell you yes. That's yeah, probably sure. very accurate that I get very short when I'm hangry and, and very just, you know, condescending probably. I'm, I'm sure she, she would tell you that. Um, and she's probably not wrong, to be honest with you. Um, what else you think is a part of his recipe for, for greatness? It's all the typical guy stuff. If he hasn't eaten and there's a lot of hunger, so it's like, <laughs> you oh, you too, huh? snacks around. <laughs> so it, yeah, food for sure. If he has a good full belly and has what he needs, because it's also if he, if he ate something that didn't feel good, you know, because he's very healthy and mm -hmm. nutrition, uh, nutrition is big to him. So it has to be like a good, he feels good about that meal. Because if it was like pizza and then he feels shitty about himself and then wants to go to the gym twice, that doesn't make <laughs> the mood better either. So there's that. And then sex, there has to be a connection that where we've had a, a lot of that and then he's happy and then um, sleep. But he doesn't get that much of good sleep. But if he's tired, if he hasn't rested, um, then that affects his mood that's as well. That's pretty basic guy stuff. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's funny because it, it's it's so basic, but yet so many people have issues with a lot of these things, right? What are your thoughts on sex and the frequency of sex and the <laughs> expectations of that? I, in this relationship, I have to honestly um, think like a lot of my connection to to sex prior to him, with him, it's the best. But I, this is coming out wrong, but what I mean is I have already been a sexual person my whole life and my explorative nature, which isn't to like a crazy degree, just like with myself or the experiences I've had in relationships prior to him have made me come into this relationship with a very healthy relationship with sex already. So I didn't necessarily come into this relationship um, without in a in a place where I couldn't meet his needs. 
where his needs overwhelmed me to a crazy degree. Because if I was not a sexual being and was in this relationship, I don't think this relationship would work <laughs> because he is the most sexual being I have ever met um, and could have sex three times a day or go twice back to back. And it's not quick either. <laughs> so it's like I... It has definitely amped up my endurance um, <laughs> because I wasn't used to that before. But I already came into this relationship with a, there's an experience that I'm sorry to talk about it in my beautiful podcast with my now partner, but it's honestly, it. I think anyone listening could benefit from hearing it because it was um, an experience that did change me for the better that he's getting to reap the benefits of. Um, I was in a relationship when I was 20 um, where also at that time my partner was a sexual being and I had just gotten off of work and I was tired and I said no to that night. I wasn't in the mood. And um, he was very straightforward and not in a dick way, just like honest and straightforward about how being in the mood is actually a choice and you could choose to be in the mood. And he shared his thoughts on how when women say they're not in the mood too much, that is what eventually leads to your partner feeling unsatisfied in the relationship. And that's eventually why people do cheat to get their sexual needs met. And it was the first time I had ever had this conversation with any partner. And again, it what it didn't strike me wrong. Like it actually I didn't feel disrespected in my needs mm. I felt like it was explained pretty well and it made me open-minded to trying to change how I felt in that moment again not to disrespect how I felt but to question myself and go could I change my mood right now like to actually explore if I could and I was able to Right. It's not to negate your feelings. Like you should just always have sex when somebody asks you to, but to understand that being in the... Is it a choice? Like to ask myself like, wait, I am tired right now, but if I chose to not be, if I chose to explore this moment right now and not give in to my tiredness, would I find energy I didn't have if I didn't give in to my tiredness? I was just exploring my own thought because it's not in my nature to just succumb to men's needs. Mm -hmm. Like it's far from my nature. So... It was approached well. And when I realized it is a choice, oh, like I could choose to be in the mood and choose not to be, um, that benefited, that has benefited this relationship so much because there has been times where he was horny and wanted to have sex and I wasn't naturally in the mood, but I chose to be. And then it arrived. How do you do it? <laughs> um <laughs> It doesn't hurt to have a partner that you're really attracted to because I just also have to look at him sometimes and I can arrive to that choice. And that's not, that hasn't always been the case in the past. So like when it's not that case, when the attraction is so strong, I choose to think about how I could have this sexual experience, even if I'm tired. Like, I don't have to be in my fullest energy to have sex right now. It's not a performance. Yeah. yeah. It's a connection. I could have tired sex right now. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be um, 
your full battery is charged. And you can also communicate that, like I'm sleepy right now, but I'm still happy to be with you. I'm just going to lay on my side this whole time, <laughs> you know, or like, it's like you, yeah. you could have sex in the experience that you're in. I think we often think so many things need to be aligned right. to have sex. You have to feel completely confident. You have to have this mood going or like you have to be in this room. I don't know to everyone what their circumstances, but you could have sex exactly where you are, yes. you know? So I think that realizing that too is a part of being able to make that switch, that choice. And it, and when you do that, is it a mental switch or do you, like when you know he's making a request and your natural energy says you're tired, do you then say, give me half an hour to do this routine that makes me feel great and pretty? Mm -hmm. Or is it like just, oh, in five seconds, I can just make myself? It's a pretty quick mental switch for me. Okay. Yeah. It also, re I remind myself too that it's connection lies in it. Like we, we reach more connection through sex. I could understand maybe if a woman is in a relationship where the sex isn't connective, why this choice might be hard. To be but like, why would I do this thing that I don't even enjoy that much? That doesn't get us closer, that it's not mm. fulfilling for me in any way. Mm. But when I remind myself there is fulfillment in it, for us and for me and for him, like it's kind of all fulfilling, it's easy to make that choice. Right. So I think that that definitely adds to why the choice can be five seconds mentally. And it also though illuminates the fact that even when the sex is great and the attraction is there, you could still naturally feel like you're not in the mood yeah. until you consciously do it. Because right. some people might interpret a woman not being in the mood, oh, this means she doesn't like having sex with me, yeah. or this means she's not attracted to me. Right. Those things may all be on 10, yeah. is that she just might be in a pattern of choosing not to or whatever, for whatever yeah. reason. And to be very vulnerable and open too, and I think we've talked about um, OCD before when I did a solo podcast with you, but sometimes for me, my OCD um, experiences can heighten in sex because I am challenged by OCD that is themed sexually. And so sometimes me not being in the mood is mental exhaustion because I have to work a lot mentally to stay present during sex. So sometimes it has nothing to do with attraction, nothing to do with tiredness, more physical tiredness, more than a mental like, ugh, it exhausts me sometimes to, but then to I have to not think about business or whatever. It's like pushing the thoughts out. I have yeah. to not be triggered by my OCD while having sex. Mm. Um, so that's a personal thing. And I also change my mindset on that by seeing it as a, as an opportunity to be present. I see sex as an opportunity to experience mental freedom so instead of focusing on the exhaustion of the mental state i go through i see it as an opportunity to find mental freedom i switch the narrative and today i had that <laughs> like <laughs> i, I experienced it because i'm conscious about switching it too yeah that's mm -hmm. that's really useful advice i think a lot just that section right there yeah, a lot of people for can deal sure with, right and then now also are there advice that you could give to guys in general about creating the, the mood for the girl to be in the mood, like creating the conditions that would make her want to make that choice? Mm -hmm. 
I know it's different for everybody because people have all kinds of different desires and kinks and whatnot, but yeah, just yeah. generally speaking from your perspective. Yeah. I think that things that he has done that have made me easily get in the mood is tell me compliments that are genuine from the heart throughout a day or at different points in our relationship. Like he has often told me that he thinks I am the most beautiful without makeup with my hair extensions not in and with no like glam going on. So that easily makes me get in the mood when I just get out of the shower and have no makeup on and my hair is not done and I'm not wearing anything specific. So I think for women, we definitely need to know how beautiful you think we are in our barest state. Otherwise we might feel, oh, I don't have my makeup on and I don't feel sexy and I'm not ready so I'm not in the mood. Right, like I don't meet the pre-requirements for me to be worthy or, or whatever, got, or whatever. Like, yeah. If, they, if they've been in a relationship where they mainly get complimented when they're all ready, when the makeup's on and they look hot, quote unquote. Right. Um. So I think if the female in the relationship isn't complimented enough in her barest state, that that mood will switch off more often. So if we feel beautiful all the time, no matter what, that's a great way to keep your woman turned on. Yeah. Number one. That's great. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that specifically makes you not want to have sex? <laughs> Say it. No, I want to know too. Um, the only times that I've legit been like, we're not having sex right now, and one of them was recent, is when we were in a heated moment and it hadn't been fully resolved yet and so unresolved drama un uh, yeah right and then tell everybody what happens Stop. after <laughs> it got resolved enough <laughs> there was i feel like there was res if there's enough resolution in something that has caused some turmoil then i'm not in the mood but we've also sometimes talked about how when we have done this before where we've talked about something we needed to resolve while we were having sex yeah <laughs> it works and he doesn't had, have to be just after it's perfectly buttoned at, up then you have sex before yeah. or yeah. after it could be like let's resolve this while we're making love because i've told him before and this isn't true for him anymore um that he reaches the most tender state while we're making love and when we're not making love, that way he speaks to me and that tenderness doesn't feel like it's there throughout the day. That's not true anymore because I've told him that enough where it's now showed up not only while we're making love, but at one point it was the best time to talk about things because he his guard got completely down. It's harder to argue when you're naked. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and when you're, I feel like, I don't, what is... What made you <laughs> reach that most vulnerable state, babe, when we were making love? And it's different. It's different when we're making love, obviously, you know, the naked thing helps, but I think <laughs> it, it, it's more emotional. We've always had, I think it's, this isn't for everybody, like you said, but it's, it's, we've always had emotional sex. However you want to call that, however somebody else wants to describe it, our sex has always been obviously physical, but emotional as well. I don't think there's ever 
a time where we haven't had emotions come through sex. And that's what makes it so great, you know, along with everything else. But that's a big part of it, too. And correct me if I'm wrong. So it's easy for both of us to get a little bit more vulnerable when we're already in that emotionally vulnerable state connectively through both of our bodies. So I think it was just easier at that point for us to be like, you know what, undress, boom, let's go. And then it gets resolved. I think something that has really helped us too as a couple is neither of us have anything that takes us out of the present moment that we need. I think that there's um, a lot of couples that might need to role play or go somewhere else or do something more to experience what they think they want or desire in sex and I'm not shaming that I also do think that sometimes that can put a filter though over your partner in their purest state and vice versa and you guys being able to resolve something that you as a couple need to navigate if you're so used to experiencing your sex not being who you are Mm -hmm. If you condition it to be, I'm going outside of myself for yeah. it, like mentally or emotionally. Yes. It can condition you to not be present. And yeah, the resolving things through sex might not be a clear opportunity if you mentally role play and go somewhere else and mm -hmm. don't practice being with each other. Mm -hmm. You are just enough. I am just enough. We are just speaking about each other as we are. Yes as a practice. Yes, absolutely. It makes mm -hmm. a big difference because mm -hmm. you can do the same physical action but have such a different emotional and mental experience through it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. This has been great. I really like this format. How do you guys like it? I do. I like it a lot. I actually have one more thing for women that I want to say on this yeah? note that Go I think ahead. could really help them. Um, one thing I started doing before I met Jared in self-pleasure is I started to n not use any role play by myself either. I wouldn't think about any, or I would practice not thinking about anything aside from my own touch and my own feelings from my touch and being grateful for my own body parts and the feelings and the sensations that are universe given and just diving into the experience, just me to me, not thinking this touch is someone else or I am over here. And so the practice began with self. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know so much if that was the case for you too, baby, but for me it was. So that's how I as a woman have been able to then bring that into the bedroom with him where I am able to focus on his body in mine and the sensation that that creates together. And like there is actually so much to dive into. You don't need to think about other roles. You don't need to go other places mentally or physically, like bringing your awareness, just like you do with breath and yoga, like just practicing those inward thoughts of where to focus your attention. You can do with each other's body parts or th sometimes I, in a sense, practice Reiki while we're doing, while we're having sex. Like I'll think about him as a king and me as a queen and I'll think about how 
I'm receiving his energy and I'm like grateful that that's coming into me and I'm aware of what I'm giving back and I'll think about myself as a goddess while so there's a lot of spiritual practice that you could do too and when you do perceive sex that way if you are excited by spirituality you could then start to think about sex as a time to practice your spirituality which for women helps to be turned on more yeah, see it that way. absolutely. We'll put a different context on it, right? Because yeah. our, our perception of an event essentially becomes the event, right. right? Like two people can watch the same football game, same exact thing can happen, but they could feel two very different ways about it, right? right? Same thing with a guy, yeah. Like a lot of times we're in such a conquering mindset that we imagine all these exterior things that we want that we forget that <laughs> there's something right here in front right. of you. Yeah, and absolutely. And I've asked him before, like, what do you think about, are you present? He's like, I just, I'm looking at you. He was like, I'm right here. I'm like, okay, so then you naturally just are present. I have to work at presence. I think that's an OCD thing too, though. For me. Part of it, yeah. Yeah. That The OCD that I experienced, like I've had to work at presence more. First, he doesn't have that experience. I have no reason to think about anything else except for you during sex. Which wow. I've heard that sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, that must be nice because <laughs> I, I have to actively get there. You think because your creative mind is always thinking about external creations? I didn't. I wasn't always this way. It's the it's the OCD mind, the obsessive compulsive disorder. Yeah. That's what OCD stands for. For any listener right. that doesn't know what that is, um, and anyone that experiences it will completely understand what I'm talking about. And anyone that has it, it's it's just it's a constant state of intrusive thoughts. That's, that sounds pretty, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, every, and there's different themes yeah. to it too. So not to make this podcast about that and go too far off there. Um, but it definitely makes you, sometimes that when I, I don't want to say overcome it because that could actually trigger OCD more. But when I just bring my awareness to a, a, a direction that's more satisfying and pleasing and fulfilling for me, um, and I get to see like, oh, that works, like, you know, I now get to see that sex is an opportunity for me to not be mentally exhausted because of the intrusive thoughts that come in, which if I perceive it that way, that experience happens over and over. But instead I go, this is an opportunity to experience how I experience pleasure and that I am able to be present and the opportunities of presence. And then I experience that. So I have been able to experience like mental freedom through perceiving it that way. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you your final question, then I'm going to go to Jared. Okay. Um, just tell me all the things you love about Jared and that you're grateful for to him. Mm-hmm. Originally, I was going to do this with the face-to-face, but I actually really like this. For some reason, there's something just so beautiful about this. Mm-hmm. And even watching each other's body languages uh-huh. as the other person's, just, you'll see it on video. It's, yeah, very, yeah. it's a very interesting concept. Yeah. So maybe you can even close your eyes if you want to or whatever, but just channel... Mm-hmm. What are all the things you love about Jared that mm-hmm. you that you're grateful for that he does right that that makes him your guy? I absolutely love his honesty. I love his willingness to grow. I love his unwavering chivalry. I love his work ethic. I love the way that he takes care of himself and our children. I love his value of relationship and commitment. I love his communication. I love how much he 
shows his affection and is even open to learning more ways to show it. I love the action he takes and his assertiveness in taking it. Um, I love how attentive he is. I love how spiritual actually he is and his ability to just say so much with his eyes. I love his cooking <laughs> and his passion for cooking and his passion for music and business. I love the way he explains things when he realizes I'm curious to know and he'll really take his time to help me understand something. I appreciate his humor and how it has lightened up some. <laughs> I appreciate his ability to support me in my career and even add in more ways to show his support. And I appreciate his willingness to do things that are unknown and uncomfortable and unfamiliar and to be open to it. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Jared, final for you. Just tell us, it doesn't have to be however long feels right to you, but what are the things that, you, that you're grateful for and that you love and that you respect and that you appreciate about Bryn? Okay. The first thing I appreciate is her love and her ability to be able to show that in numerous ways. I appreciate her compassion for different things, not just for anything that I might be going through, but just people in general and the way that she tries to look at the light in certain situations. I appreciate the way, you know, the, the way that she loves our children, just like she said for me, the way that she loves our children as if they were her own. And I appreciate the way she shows up for, for my, for me, but for everybody else in her life, I do appreciate the way she teaches and her ability to recognize the things she might not be good at as a teacher, which there is hardly any if zero at all, but to, to just always want to do better, her work ethic and her ability to want to push herself and drive even more in different ways is astounding. The way that she wants to completely venture into something new with little to no fear and dive into it to, to change maybe even the way that she's been doing something for the last 25 years or however long her, her warmth is something I love most. And the way that you can tell the, when she enters her room, how everybody lights up around her. And last but not least, I love her smile. It's my favorite. I want to thank you both. This has been really, really beautiful. Like this is such a gift. And I, I appreciate you guys coming on this experiment with me. Thank you for thank letting you. us do it again. Yeah. <laughs> this is way cooler. I like this yeah, one. Yeah. I think this one is 
way stronger yeah. and it feels really good and real yes it does and it looks great too like you guys just <laughs> the, just just the, the authenticity of it like for me like this was very interesting to me just hearing the two responses that you each give right because mm. it's i i i get both journeys of exploration that you're on right mm. and and this whole thinking process of the masculine and feminine energy and the roles and the responsibilities but then understanding that there's chapters in life right that each chapter is like whatever worked for you leading up to this point might not work moving forward right and just figuring out what do you keep what do you add on it's it's uh, these are questions that are always in my head and and you guys gave me a lot of uh, insight to to think about and absorb good yeah this is very useful for me so i hope the people at home really enjoy it too yeah. Thank you, us too. We want to do more stuff like this because we're passionate about it. He has a passion to help men. And I actually don't think there's a lot of there's a lot of programs out there where men can turn to for kind of continuous guidance. And that's so needed in the world. And that's I a whole other so conversation too. I want to have with, with Jared yeah. as well, especially about the whole sobriety thing. That's and that's a whole topic I want to dive into. His nine, nine years, years and eight eight days. That's amazing. Nine mm. years sober in eight days. And that's, it, yeah, it's also one of my most trustworthy qualities about him because that takes a shit ton of commitment and resolve and, mm -hmm, and self-control and mm -hmm. so Amazing. I'm excited for you guys to have a spinoff episode on that because he has such a good story. I would love that. I would love that. Well, I hope you guys have a great trip and uh, that's it. That's our Valentine's Day episode. It's a wrap.